What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Running and Gunning Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Sinan. And unfortunately, my esteemed co-host, Logan, is not here with us this evening. Um, he is just getting back from his elk hunt in Colorado. So we will catch up with him here soon and get into the details for his elk hunt. I am, however, joined by an awesome guest that we have this season, evening, uh, Jacob Emery. And I am super stoked to pick his brain. Jacob is a, a super well-rounded mobile hunter. If you guys haven't heard of him, you need to check him out. Um, the dude is a killer. Uh, he is constantly putting good bucks on the ground. A super humble guy. I really enjoy talking with Jacob. Um, I would consider him, you know, one of my friends at this point. We, you know, we catch up here and there online and uh, just keep up to date during the season. Um, but I was really excited to have him on. He's he's just a, a great mesh for what we're trying to do with this podcast. And I think you guys will learn a lot from him and his experiences. But we're going to get into early season strategy, a little mix of some things with his style of hunting. He, he does a lot with kayaks and water access. So I'm really excited to pick his brain and see, you know, what his thoughts are when he's going into season and how he approaches things, maybe a little bit differently than some of the other guys. But with uh, no further ado, let's get him on here and uh, see how he's doing. All right, what is up, guys? I am uh, here with Jacob Emery tonight. I'm really stoked about this episode. Jacob, how you doing, man? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing excellent, dude. Uh, can't thank you enough for joining us, man. You were supposed to be one of our first guests on here, and I'm, I apologize. I am totally not a tech guy, <laughs> as as we both know. But uh, what have you been doing lately, man? Uh, for those those people that, that don't know about you, uh, hopefully uh, everybody knows your name, but give us a breakdown. Uh, I, uh, man, uh, the last couple months have been hectic. Um, the plant that I worked at here in Hallsville, Kentucky, shut down laid off close to 700 people. Uh, I lost my job, but luckily I was able to fall back on my roots and get back into construction electrician uh, kind of work. Um, currently picked up a job at a paper mill, and uh, things have been really slow for me. This has been a very slow start to my season in Kentucky. Had a little bit of uh, success down in Tennessee early. Um, but that Yeah, was, that's uh, awesome, dude. That was your biggest buck ever, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Five, heck yeah by about uh, 13 or 14 inches pretty good deer hell yeah hell but yeah that was a nothing but a team effort and luck and uh maybe a little help from above i'm not real sure you know i lost my granddad uh in early yeah. august and i told myself you know i'm gonna i'm gonna hunt harder and uh than i ever have before whether that means i come out with you know three or four giants or three or four big fat goose eggs i'll be content either way just as long as i try so nah you're you're a killer man i mean you definitely know what you're doing and uh it was it was really cool like that's one thing i've always even before like we actually met uh for those of you guys out there like me and jacob live uh relatively close we're about an hour away from each other and we cross paths uh i guess like this winter i bought a, a shotgun from you um i don't know if we should say that but who cares there ain't that many people listening uh, out there in the world. That's... So, me and him just got the got the BSing, man. And uh, Jacob is just a just a great dude. Um, I mean, I feel like we're really similar in our hunting styles, and uh, I figured you would be an awesome mesh for this podcast. 
you're a, a run and gun kind of guy. Um, that's primarily what you do, right? With public land. For sure. You know, that that's funny. You say that is, uh, I'm sitting there thinking of when, like how we got to know each other was, um, last year I decided I was going to go hunt Maryland. Uh, cause where you're yeah, from, that's right. mm-hmm. uh, it's relatively close to where my family originated from in Frederick, Maryland. And, uh, Man, I went up there with hopes of just shooting a branch antler deer, um, and I got my ass whooped. I mean, bad, <laughs> uh, real bad. Uh, that that up there, some that's some tough hunting. But I think you had reached out to me and kind of uh, was telling me some things you knew or didn't know about Maryland. Uh, after that <clears throat> was when I ended up uh, giving you that twenty gauge. Um, but yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, it's. It's a, it's kind of a tricky place. I mean, where you were going at is, is either going to be really good or it's going to be really tough, honestly, uh, around that area. I mean, I can't actually speak, uh, for the Frederick side of things. I've only hunted there like a handful of times. So, uh, I mean, it is what it is, but I think I tried steering you in a couple of directions of places that I actually knew, but you know, it is what it is, man. It's tough when you only got a couple of days, you know? Oh yeah. I think I had three days and the first morning hurt my spirit so bad that I, I never even climbed a tree on that trip because I was really, Oh yeah. I was like, I'm not climbing up unless I feel really good about it. And that that first morning, dude, I had it pegged on three different apps looking at, I was like, I'm going to kill a buck right here. The first time I go in there, I just know it. And I stumbled around in the dark with my bow attached to my backpack for about an hour in the dark. Uh, ran into water where I wasn't supposed to run into water and lost all six of my arrows. Also, I mean, it was like $250 worth of arrows and broadheads. And, um, what? Oh yeah. I had to backtrack. It took me all the way till like 30 minutes after daylight to find all my shit. And I, after that, I was like, I'm just going to go home. Oh man. That's a bummer. <laughs> it's a bad you, and, I mean, shoot. I mean, and then paying for your license and all that, that ain't no good. It, ain't I, that it, bad, it didn't though, cheat. Man. It's cheap. It's $130 for the entire year, and that's your turkey and your deer. Yeah, that's pretty reasonable. You know, I was kind of pissed at myself, dude. I wish I would have hopped on the bandwagon and started hunting Indiana last year before they raised their prices up. Oh, God. But I won't get you started started on that. Speaking (laughs) of this, let's let's get into this podcast because I wanted to bring Jacob on here as really like a good, well-rounded uh, information for like early season sign. You know, we got a lot of guys starting their season in October here soon. Um, I think it would be good, man. I mean, let's kick it off with how and like how and why did you really like end up getting to the mobile style of things? Like, when did yeah. you actually start mobile hunting? Like, you know, before it was called mobile hunting, you know? Right. I mean, so I've dabbled in it my the last ten or fifteen years. Um, nothing insane um yeah let's see i want to say i didn't get serious about killing good deer until about 2009 or 2010 somewhere around in there and uh you know up till then it was just you know we're gonna go hunt with my granddad uh i will bow hunt i didn't know what i was doing you know exactly i didn't understand thermals i didn't i didn't understand a lot of things uh and once I killed my first buck with a bow, you know, things started to, to pick up and whatnot. Uh, 2010, I killed what was my best deer up till, you know, this past late August. Um, and I killed him on a hang and hunt kind of ordeal. It was the closest thing to a hang and hunt I'd done. 
I went and hung the setup that morning for him and hunted that afternoon. Still, uh, sticks and I, and I still uh, hang on and, um, but man, other than that, all the way from then up till like 2018, I was rocking a freaking Summit Viper climber, and um, yep, you know, I, like I, think I was that's saying, how a lot but, of us are. I mean, man. oh yeah. Uh, you know, growing up with my granddad taking me, we always had these private spots and, you know, I always had somewhere to go and those just diminished right. and diminished and diminished over time. And it got to where I still have a couple places, but they're all too small. Like you can't hold yeah. and, and grow or whatever you want. I mean, you can kill some big deer on small tracks of property. That's for sure. It's done all the time. Uh, but it's just tough hunting, man. And I got so tired of, of knocking on doors and being told no, so I started hunting public. Um, in 2014 uh, was when I started messing with it. And uh, from then on, you know, you, you basically you've got to adapt to being able to take your stuff in, hang it, take it out. And, uh, you know, transitioning from that climber or hunting from the ground now to, a you know, a saddle set up uh, the last couple of years, hanging multiple sticks, and now it's Every time I hunt, I'm basically I'm going up with one stick, whether I'm hunting with yeah. a tree stand or I'm hunting with a saddle. Is I'm going to one stick up that tree and I'm going to rappel down. Uh, but yeah, just the uh, I guess the morphing from all the private that I used to have to this you know public style that I d I do now because I have to, not because I want yeah. to. If it was up to me, I'd have a two thousand acre you know private parcel that i could grow corn and soybeans on and right and I could, right i could be the next uh will primos or whatever but um <laughs> oh man um that's, i just kind of got into it like when everybody else did it yeah. seems like i i know it's kind of wild man i feel like the every year i get like more and more minimalist with what i'm trying to do and like I just, dude, maybe I'll have to hook up with you and you can show me what you do for the one stick thing because i don't know for me I just can't really justify it because I, I feel like I'm so efficient with my sticks and it's like, I've got this system that works for me. You know what I mean? It's like, well, that's the thing. Typically find what works best for you and run with it. Right. Because right. that's what I tell everybody. You can probably hang your sticks just as fast as I can climb up. The only benefit that I have over everybody else is, um, I have the ability to go ahead and climb 10 feet or 30 to 35 feet. And when I'm done hunting, from the time I decide I'm done, I put my stuff in my pack and I'm on the ground and I'm wrapping my stuff up. It's six minutes and I'm and walking out. out. So yeah, that's, that's, that's that that's, is cool. That's the real benefit to it. And, that, and I just feel safer being connected to the tree the whole time like that. And, um, it's not for everybody, but the, the guys that are like, man, there's no way I could do that. I'm like, I promise you, if you can get up and roll out of bed and put your shoes on, you could one stick. It's not as hard as it, as it looks. Yeah. I just wasn't a fan of the rope style aiders, dude. I'll be honest. Um, I got a three step aider and, you know, going from like using just a cable aider to using that three step aider, like my freaking foot just went whoop. And I, I just, I just said to myself, I'm like, well, hell with this. Like, I can't see myself doing this in the dark. And that's kind of what just, I don't know. Maybe it was just like getting a sour taste, you know, at first. And you're like, oh, hell no, I'm not doing that again. But that's just my, my two cents. It's easy to ruin yourself on stuff like it, you know. Uh, it's yeah. always good to, to practice, and it's good to practice in the daylight. So, Yeah, no kidding. Definitely. 
Well, let's get into this uh, early season sign. What do you, this is a broad question, I, I know. Um, let's say we're going into like right now, right? Like the velvet's peeled out. Uh, we're walking into like a newer chunk of woods. What are you looking for that sets one area apart from another area? Like, let's say you find something and you're like, damn, I need to get in here now. Um, I'm just like trying to paint a picture, I guess, for like a scenario. Uh, I guess, let me backtrack a little bit. I run somewhere around 40 cameras. Um, I run a ton okay. of set cameras. Uh, and I will place every single one of my cameras on situations where I feel like I could pick up something in velvet. And about this time every single year, I've pulled my cameras. They've been out since May. I'm going to refresh the batteries and format my card. And uh, this coming up Thursday, I think you've seen the weather, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You want to know what I'm going to be doing on Thursday? I'm going to be going to a freaking wedding, dude. I like. Oh I can't freaking believe it. I know. I know. Who gets I'm married like, on a Thursday? No, I got to drive there because we have the oh, wedding oh. rehearsal on <laughs> Friday, right? And we live ten hours from Maryland, so it's just like, oh god, we're going, we're going Thursday. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm so excited. If you couldn't tell, but right. sorry to cut you off. Yeah, so yeah, kidding. I know about the cold front. Rub it in, Jacob. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. <laughs> That's the thing is, you know, you've got this shift where these deer go from soybeans. Where we're at, it's all about soybeans for an early season food source. Um, right. Nine times out of ten, that's what they prefer. And now the, the, the beans are turning yellow. The velvet's gone. They, they will still hit them beans if they're green. Um, but this is the point in the year where I kind of let the deer show me what they're going to do. So as bad as I want to get out and go hunt, Thursday or Friday, I'm going to allow those deer to get fired up over this big cold right. front coming in. They're going to lay down some serious signs. And mm -hmm. uh, we talked a little bit before we started recording. It's like, you know, everybody talks about acorns. Everywhere in this area, like every other tree is a freaking wide oak, and they're loaded. Exactly. Um, so yeah. hunting a food source like that is really tough. I mean, it is really, really tough. So my focus is um, I'm going to go in after they lay all this good sign down, new rubs, new scrapes, whatnot. And, of course, these are areas that I've hunted before. Uh, I'm going to check those. And from those, I'll let my cameras tell me which direction the deer are coming from. Uh, and then I'll start backtracking them to where they're either bedding or they're feeding or, or following them, you know, past the scrape. If they're hitting it in the dark, where are they feeding and where they're bedding down, where they, you know, whatever. Uh, but, man, that, that's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, especially this time of year, is um, don't get too excited, you know. Let the deer no, lay down. Let, yeah. let the, let the deer agree. tell you where they want to be because, you know, I have some cameras that I'll leave out all year long on community scrapes. Um, in one year, that thing will be the hottest scrape that I've ever seen in my life. And the next year, they'll barely hit it, you know. It's just yeah. I don't know what it is. Uh, some it, it, I don't know what it is, honest to God. Uh, but I always like to let them kind of show me what they're going to they're going to do and their favorite scrapes, uh, whatever. How about rubs? I mean, like, you know, we all have found like those big community rubs. Do you ever put any cameras on them? I mean, I know a couple spots I have, like, you know, I've only been here a couple years in Kentucky, but I've got a couple of my good, like I would consider good spots on public. And I've noticed like the past two years, man, like they hammer this one cedar at, it just sticks out of nowhere. 
and every deer hits that thing. You know, I, I probably should. I'm looking at my map right now, and uh, there's this rub line that follows this ridge, uh, the contour of this exact mm-hmm. topo line. And um, I normally will put a camera on that trail, so to speak. It's not really a trail, uh, but there's a place where they intersect. And uh, like you said, there's always a couple cedars right there that they're hitting mm-hmm. every single year. Um, I, pro- I I need to do that. Um, but I don't put a whole lot into the, the rubs uh, just because I've seen it where they'll tear up a, a cedar tree the size of your thigh and they won't touch it again right. the rest of the year. Uh, and that's no, not doing no, me no. any good to get one picture of a deer uh, versus like a scrape where he's hitting it one out of every, you know, two or three days. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Honestly, I, I was kind of curious on your take on it because like I said, I, there's not many trees that are like that, but I know this one in particular, like for some reason, it's the first tree they hit when they peel out of velvet and they shred it. I mean, like they've done it multiple years in a row. So I always, and, I always and it's right on that. the trail. What's that? I'm sorry. Oh no, you're good. I, I cut you off. I always mark yeah. them though. Cause like it's, it's fascinating to look at, you know, this rub line that I've got marked on my onyx and it's like it's a clear path to exactly what my buck was doing last year and yeah. i killed him there uh and it, yeah. it follows the ridge contour until it hits a trail that drops down on the bottom and there's rubs all the way to where i basically killed him um yep so. and i can vouch for that too like where mine is is just a great terrain feature that comes right off a big ridge and they all they all come right out of this thick area and they just basically J hook right across there and they exit the ridge right on that trail. And I guess that's why that rub gets hammered so much because they're constantly traveling right by that spot. So, you know, maybe something for you all to key in on, you know, if you're hunting a good ridge system or something like that, but let's get into, uh, I mean, you know, surrounding properties, uh, as far as like how much thought do you put in to, let's say a bean field that butts up to, you know, some, a piece of public, will that really like, will that weigh in much on, you know, picking a piece of woods? Do you not, do you not put much thought in that or? Um, you know, most of the bean fields that I hunt are on the public. Um, man, it just, if we're talking like summer deer and like super early season, um, a deer doesn't need anything but a bean field at all. Right. Like they'll live out in the middle of them and they'll live out there all summer long. And they'll even, they'll stay out there sometimes after they drop their velvet. Uh, me and my buddy, Alex Hamilton chased a buck a couple years ago. He ended up finding him dead, but he was 184 inch deer. And we got within 15 yards of this deer on the ground, but he was living out in the middle of this bean field. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I like to, I like to search out the beans for early season. Uh, but then you, yeah. you better be finding something else that's going to suit them later on in the winter. Uh, like a cornfield's not really pleasing to the eye in early September, right. but late October, first frost, something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's kind of, I've got, I've only got like one farm that I can hunt uh, that I have permission on, and it is all corn this year. And I'm literally just letting these deer have it. I already know of a couple good bucks, nothing that I'm really. Nothing I really wanted to pursue early, but like, I mean, if I can't fill a tag and it's late season, I, I wouldn't mind tagging one of these deer. Um, but it's just kind of interesting to me. Like I'm learning a lot, you know, the, the way properties change, it was beans last year, this year it's corn. And I've kind of picked up, uh, those inside corners that come off of ridges. 
I've heard a couple people say like that can be just a dynamite spot. I think uh, Seth Porter was talking about that's how he ended up, you know, almost getting a fill a tag was focusing on this one corner that was feeding into the hardwoods and they just started hammering it. I don't, I haven't hunted that many cornfields uh, that are standing, honestly. Usually I'll hunt the hardwoods off the edge, but. If you, if they're standing, you know, by the end of October, man, um, I mean, they're dynamite because them deer use the corn just like they use them beans. They use the corn more as a bedding area than the beans, especially once, you know, the beans start turning yellow and the leaves fall off. You know, there's nothing there for them to hide in anymore because, it, you right. know, them beans, man, when they get up to your neck, if you was to go out, walk out the bean field and lay down under that bean canopy, it is like 20 to 25 degrees cooler right there. So, yeah, so no wonder. You've got, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you've got that, if you've got a place where a deer um, has water, you know, like uh, maybe a, a drainage a ditch drainage. or whatever, yeah. he's got everything he needs until, you know, the velvet falls off and the beans turn. Uh, there's nothing else he needs out there. But uh, that corn provides way more cover longer. Uh, and when them bucks start searching, man, get on the downside wind of a freaking standing cornfield, and they're going to check that whole freaking thing. It's yeah. A, it's a and plus, I mean, by that, right, by that point, I mean, they're already opening up all their scrapes, too, on the edges of there, so... Exactly. That's kind of my my hope for it because it sucks, dude. The the spot I have, like the farmers, I mean, I understand why they do it, but it's just giant ridges that surround the crop fields. So it's kind of hard to hunt. Like you know, the the way the property line is, I can't like I'm not going to go hunt someone else's land. So I'm pretty much you know pinholed to only like one oak flat and you know just these edges of the cornfield, you know and. I don't know. Until I moved here, I never really hunted much of uh, like field edges and stuff. So it's kind of kind of cool for me. But I, I hear a lot of people just get kind of bored with it. But for me right now, it's exciting. You know, I don't ever, I don't have a ton of success hunting the field edges. If the field is public, I really feel like I don't have a lot of success there. Seeing mm-hmm. mature deer in daylight. If the field is yeah. private, that borders public, it's a little bit better. Um, and if it's all, you know, private or whatever, I mean, then it's, you know, great. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I mean, that's where I killed my buck last year. Um, he was in a, you know, a dried up bean field, you know, towards November. And I mean, they were hammering that. I mean, they really, uh-huh. I think they were just using that one side, honestly. I don't, I can't really say they were hammering it. I think I just got lucky and caught this buck cruising, to be honest. I mean, it is what it is. Seemed to yeah. do really good in November. <laughs> giant deer but yep i was pretty happy with the man i was looking at some old trail cam pictures today just trying to like see what kind of bucks i had last year that might you know <laughs> might have made it through and uh i was looking at pictures of them and i was like hell yeah it's pretty cool yep, that's but, another reason I so have, how oh uh, what's that, that i know we've talked about that big seven that i've kind of been eyeing and you know he lost his velvet mm-hmm. and he's just not as pleasing to the eye anymore and I want to go hunt him back. Oh, you know, I want to kill him still, but I'm to the point now where you know I've got I've got thirty something cameras in the bed of my truck right now that are just raring to go on the, oh, the public. Man, I'm really? going to go drop them on, and I'm like, do I want to really like take a chance at killing them? And you know, just moving all my cameras to Indiana, or should I just go ahead and put them in Kentucky? Because I know the second that if I go put them cameras out and I go hunt that seven, if I kill him, I will have a giant show up, and I will be sick to my stomach. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. That's dude, that's the one thing that kills me with this one tag. I mean, have you for your whole time hunting, it's always been one tag for you, right? Pretty much. I mean, there's places in Kentucky that you can get a bonus, you know, deer. Uh, I don't right. care to name drop it. Like if you want to shoot another buck, you can go to Fort Knox, but I'm telling you, it is the most pressured freaking place I've ever hunted in my life. I mean, there's 18 to 20 guys going in every single area, every single day of season. It is insane. Yeah. Uh, and then LBL used to be a bonus buck area. Uh, okay. You used to be able to go down there and kill a bonus buck. And the, the quality of deer just was like plummeting. And I was upset like everybody else because I went down there, you know, and I wasn't as picky when I hunted down there because I knew, like, this is a bonus deer. I don't have to worry, you know, about my state tag. Uh, and they yeah, took that yeah. away. And now, I mean, there's I, – I don't even have to say it, you know. <laughs> just really good That's deer cool. down there. Hang on. Let me write that down real quick. Go ahead. <laughs> i tell you what. You know, <laughs> I try not to drop the names in some of these places, but – that's yeah. the that's the biggest chunk of public in Kentucky besides like Daniel Boone National Forest, and nobody's going right, to East to protect right. to chase a giant deer. You know, no, no you're right, yeah. spot on. How did you get into uh, kayak hunting? I mean, was it just like a niche because of where you live at? And I mean, it's just it's easier. There's a lot more water access places, or was that you purposely really trying to push away from people? It's both. Um, years ago, my dad had a 14 foot. Uh, old town plastic canoe and uh, there was a place I hunted mm, kind of hard to say it's like right it's not far from Illinois it's not far from Indiana it's not far from Kentucky it's just like in that little corner and uh, we used to duck hunt it a bunch and uh, I used to take that thing and uh, paddle across and, and get into some deer here and there and whatnot and he ended up selling it and uh, once I moved over to Indiana uh, I started running into a bunch of places where, like, man, I could really use something here. And um, I was running my cameras with, like, a sitting kayak all summer long, and I'm like, this shit ain't going to work. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I dabbled in the idea of a new canoe, and uh, I was like, I can't spend that kind of money. Um, I don't even know if I'll be good at this. Um, then I found the Ascend 12T. You can get them at Bass yep. Pro. At the time, they were five ninety nine, but this was, like, right before COVID. Uh, so they shot up to like, they're almost $800 now. It's, it's insane. But um, it was really just the adventure part of it. I really like mm -hmm. the adventure that goes into a hunt um, along with, I'm going to distance myself from some people and I'm going to get to hunt some places that people aren't going to be able to get to. Uh, right. So that's just, yeah, I kind of got into it. You know, my first year, I only killed a couple does doing it. Uh, had a lot of close encounters and, like last year, I had a lot of uh, luck. Just, I, I can say, you know, everybody wants to kill. They kill these big deer, and you know, you got to pop their heads, and they run around beating their chest. I'm the greatest deer hunter alive, and I'm not scared <laughs> to tell anybody that almost every single deer on my wall is nothing but pure ass luck. <laughs> and I'll take yeah. whatever. I can well, get. there's there's skill that goes into it too, man. But I mean, I agree with you. I say the same thing. It's like. I'm just a lucky dude and we both put the time in, man. Like I tell people all the time, it's like you got to put the time in if you want to kill a deer. I mean, it's that simple. Focus on the wind direction. Don't be an idiot with what you're doing. Like try and be methodical to some point and have a game plan. And, you know, 
play it out. I mean, you you can't kill a big deer where one doesn't live. I think everybody hears that over and over, but it's pretty accurate. I mean, it's you want to kill cool. something decent, go do something that other people aren't doing. I mean, it's, and that's kind of like, I really like before I even knew you, um, I really like, it turned me on to see the, the, you know, like using a kayak to bow hunt because it was kind of like a newer thing for me that, you know, my dad talked about using a canoe and I'm like, dude, I, I just can't see myself using a canoe. Like it would just be a big pain in the ass, but a kayak I could manage, you know? So I like kind of started watching what you were doing and like Southern ground and like, I've I really liked it. And then I found one used um, actually over near where you were at for about like 500 bucks. And I don't know, I went down that rabbit hole and I love it. The only thing that sucks around here close to home is they drop all the water out of the lake and then I can't really use it around here very often. Oh. So I got to start traveling Yep. So just a little bit farther. So that's, that's another thing that I love about it is like when I go out of state now, like I'm looking for a place to use that thing. Like, right. I mean, that's just, that's my, it's my go-to right off the bat. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's just, a, it's a lot of fun, but, like you said, it's it can be a pain in the ass. <laughs> it sure can, especially when you're dragging it up a creek and you're like, oh, there should be water in here. And you're like, nope. All right, well, I'll pull it through this rock, you know, rock clipping here. And then you're in water again. And then you're like, oh, God, like, why well, did I do this? If, if anybody, you had that encounter last year, right, with that buck you shot with that nice, yeah. uh, what was it, the eight? Uh, one, two, uh. Hold on, I can't count right now. <laughs> he's, a, he's a 10, but he's uh, got his one of his brow times broke off. But, dude, the okay. work I went through to get that deer out, there ain't very many people that would do it. And yeah, uh, that morning, was it was crazy getting there at gray light, um, letting the rain pass that morning. And, I mean, it rained really hard. And uh, when I beached my boat, took off, I soaked one of my boots all the way up to my knee. Uh yeah. Shot the deer, got down and, uh, you know, took the pictures and gutted him and whatnot. And I drug him about halfway and I'm like, screw this. I'm tired. I'm gonna go get my kayak. And my kayak was gone from where I beached it because the water come up and it floated away. Cause I just pulled it oh, up on, man. yeah, I just pulled it up on sand like an idiot. You always should Damn. tie your stuff off. Um, you, yeah, but, I learned that from you. Actually, I carry a Python lock just in case somebody wants to be an asshole. I mean, right. It, yeah. You know, I don't know. Do I really got to worry about that? What do you think? Probably, probably not. But you never know, dude. Um, I think yeah, people I don't sympathize know. Just peace with of mind. It's it's different still in a trail camera, I guess. But you take somebody's boat, and it's like, yeah. man, they're not going to be able to get out of here. Uh, but yeah, that yeah, I no kidding. Was, you... It was a half a mile down the creek. I had to go back and get it and paddle back, and I drug oh, it across this freaking log jam and shit, and then back in the water and then up this creek and then drag the deer to that and take it to the log jam, take him off the kayak, drag him over to the other side of the log jam, <laughs> the kayak across the log jam, put the kayak back in the water. Kayak tried to get away from me again because water is like ripping ass. Put the deer back on the kayak. Don't flip the kayak and get the hell out of Dodge. It was, it was, <laughs> it was tough. It was an all day. I shot that deer like an hour and a half after daylight. And by the time I got him down out, you know, took him to my granddad's and showed him and got him cut up and caped and everything. When I was driving back home, it was like, it was getting dark. Yeah. Yeah. 
Man, can I ask a serious question? Um, did it cross your mind to just like quarter them out, or did you just want to get pictures and video on the kayak? Because I don't blame you whatsoever, because that's honestly one of the biggest things I want to do is put a buck on the front of my kayak and get video of it. But oh yeah, that's I mean that had to be going through your head, right? Oh, I mean, that's I mean that's one of the biggest things that you know I watch Parker do it, and, and no offense to Parker whatsoever, but they just don't have them real big deer down there. And he's killed some really nice yeah. deer on that thing. He come up to Kentucky, he killed a real good one. But I was like, dude, I just want a freaking slick picture of a big one on the front of this kayak right. so bad. Hell uh, yeah. But no, I mean, it definitely crossed my mind. Um, and it's something that I will do when I kill one that's I, – I just won't know that I want to get him mounted just yet. I'll cape him and whatnot. And, uh, but, yeah. you know, when, when they're that big and whatnot, it's, it's kind of hard. Uh, to not put them on there and whatnot. Uh, the Indiana one was a pain in the ass to get out. The Kentucky one uh, was much larger. Um, and even after gutting him, I had to stick like logs in the back of the kayak to keep the nose out of the water because um, he was mm-hmm. so heavy. Uh, but that deer, I had to drag him 15 yards to get him on my boat. It was so much nicer. <laughs> oh, man. No kidding. Yeah, you can't beat that. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm thinking about. I'm. I'm gonna go try and shoot a doe with mine here soon. Um, I want to put some, some blood on the kayak. I need to, especially before they drop the water out. I think I've got like another two weeks or something like that. So, yeah, I'm gonna try and get it done. But just. Uh, I wanted to ask you. Oh, go that? ahead. No, go ahead. No, no. I mean, so like, do you take your frame pack with you just in case? Like when you are actually using your kayak or? Yes. So my bag is a mystery ranch pop-up 28 and that's, that's it's right. a frame pack, you know, built in with a bag and whatnot. And I had a mystery ranch pentler last year and it was, it was perfectly fine. It was just a little bit big. Uh, I got in a pinch for some cash and whatnot and I sold it. And, um, I just recently picked up this other one and it's a, it's a really nice little bag, but yeah, I've always got a kit with me. Uh, for like caping them out or, you know, uh, game bags and whatnot. It's all, it's either in my kayak or it's in my bag with me. Yeah. That's what I've kind of got. It's just like a dry sack with like, you know, some like little goodies, pretty much like a little hatchet and some stuff like that. I mean, yep. I don't know. I'm, I'm prepared, but you know, I just can't seem to have much luck when I go out on that thing. I don't know what it is, man. Uh, just it's, maybe it's just the spots I'm in. And now like once they drop the water out, the places I can get to, you know, with the kayak, like then it's like pointless and I got to walk a mile or something, you know, or even farther, but just depends yeah. on where I'm going. It's not always possible, but if, if the, the key to using this, the boats and, and whatnot is to get in quietly, um, to be unseen, yeah. which is, it's tough on a lake, like where you're at, because if the, and deer like to bed close to that water. So if you're not having yeah, a lot of success, they, they could be sitting there watching the water. Um, but places like a steep ditch bank and whatnot, if you could pull your boat off to the side and get out and you're up a tree within 15 yards, that is the uh, mecca of using water accesses. Out of your boat, up yeah. a tree, super close and super efficient. I, some of the public that I use, I don't do I don't ever get out of the boat and I'm hunting instantly. I'm, I'm using it to cut miles, you know, from walking 
which yeah. that's another benefit in itself. Right. But, uh, if you could always just get out and be up a tree within 15, 20 yards, you, that, you can't beat that. Right. And I'm, when you're doing like e-scouting, do you kind of look for places like that? Like if you're going to go, let's say it's like the rut, are you just going to like progressively go farther and deeper in? Or are you like scouting while you're paddling in? I mean, I guess that's all situational, but it's, I was just yeah, kind of thinking like. It's pretty situational. Um, one of the things yeah. I said, my Indiana deer I killed last year, I, I said I went in in gray light. I was actually letting the current kind of just drift me because I was listening for chasing. And because yeah. I, can, I can climb 30 to 35 feet, however high I want to go in like five minutes with that one stick. You know, if, if I hear a buck chasing, nine times out of ten, he's coming right back. I can just jump out and get yeah. up a tree and get ready to kill him, you know, whatever I got to do. So uh, that's a really cool thing I like to do uh, when, when it is closer to the rut. Um, but I don't know, man. If, if I can't if I can't see out of the creek or ditch or whatever bank, you know, I can't do a whole lot of scouting from the boat. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with that 100%, man. And actually, like, I never really thought about it that way when you're talking about the one sticking is there's really no limit to how high you can get, right? right. I mean, it's pretty much just – and see, I got – like, the, for me, hunting around here with the saddle, it's like in Maryland, like, there were so many more trees that were, like, really good for using a climber because we had so many, like, you know, good white oaks and we had a ton of tulip poplar and stuff like that. But around here, man, the woods are just so damn thick. And, like, every once in a while you'll find some open hardwoods. But I feel like nine times out of ten here, man, I'm hunting, like, ten foot to twelve foot off the ground. You know, and it's just kind of pointless. For me, it's like I can run two or three sticks and I'm hunting. You know, and like you said, like, six to seven minutes with all my film gear set up. A damn place where I lost my arrows in Maryland, it's the thickest damn woods I ever walked through in my life. I don't know what you're talking about. It, it, because it's all situational. See, right, right in Frederick, you're kind of on the line between, like, we were more in like the rolling hills and like hill country a little bit, and towards there, you get in that little gap of like mountain terrain and hill country terrain, and it's like, oh yeah, I think you were you in there with that. Uh, what's like the there's some Asian plant they have that just takes over oh. everything, like not cut privet. Uh, I think that's what it is. Yeah, Chinese, but they Chinese said that it. stuff. Yeah, it's just taking over the whole woods in Maryland. It's getting worse and worse every year. But yeah, it sucks. But you know, I know, uh, I know, kudzu is a great thing for deer. I know I've I've had a lot of experience with that hunting suburban man. A lot of these giant bucks hang out right in this kudzu, and if you can find a good patch of that and butt up to a trail that comes out of it, like it's usually really good. But I think they uh, eat that stuff. They do. Um, and only thing that I've noticed is if, if there's a soybean field close to it, they won't touch the kudzu most of the time. Okay. But if you find a kudzu patch that's nice and green and lush, you know, where there's no crops around, it's like, that's, that's their bean field, you know? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And like you said, I bet it's the same as far as thermals go. It's probably nice and cool under there too, right? I mean, I've honestly, I've never had. I was thanking God I never had a deer run into that kind of stuff. But it's bad, you know. I've never, I, yeah, I've never actually stepped foot inside of it. I've always just hunted the edges of it and stuff. But 
everywhere that I've seen it kind of grow up, I, I don't know if they would get down in it. Um, cause man, it wouldn't take nothing for one to get his antlers tangled in it. He couldn't get away to save his life. Yeah. But, um, right. That's what I was like thinking. Where it, where it grows up the trees and, you know, kind of spans in between trees. It's like, it's like a setting up a tent with you and your kids in the uh, living room or whatever. It's like, there's some shade up in the middle of all that yeah. stuff. And I know they walk up in it. I've got a place over close to Henderson, Kentucky that I've hunted and, uh, they have cuts you there and I always get pictures coming out of it. Um, hitting the beans and whatnot, so they're using it as a bedding area. Uh, yeah, makes sense. I mean, shoot, it's pretty thick. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, you know they can tuck in there, and you ain't never gonna see them. Right. But man, I had one of the most important questions I wanted to ask you tonight was, what do you think you do that separates you from a lot of other guys? As far as you know, like you've had a lot of success. What do you what do you think? Is there any like one thing or maybe a couple things you could say like that separate you know that you do every year that separates you from someone else? What is it? He says on Talladega Nights. Well, <laughs> uh, you ain't first, you're last. No, it's not. Well, here's the deal. You know, I'm the best. I wake up and piss excellence. <laughs> that uh, cracks me up, dude. Um, oh, there's, there's some people that really think that, but. Uh, Man, I think the success that I've had over the last, you know, 10 years is it's always been because I've had more time to hunt than other people. I'm not better than anybody. Yeah. Uh, just had more days off with, you know, in the IBW, like what I'm doing now. Uh, there'd be times where, you know, we'd be laid off for a month or two or whatever. And if it went, if that ended up in like October, November, like there's no reason I shouldn't kill a nice deal because I've got all the time in the world to hunt. And then I was at Century right. Aluminum working a, you know, swing schedule, 14 days off a month. It's like, you know, and some of those I'm working nights and I'm off, you know, the next morning. It's like, I've got all kinds of time to hunt. Uh, so yeah. Time in the woods and, and and scouting hard when you have the opportunity. Uh, like I said, I run a ton of cameras. I keep a lot of, in, you know, intel. I keep stuff logged on my computer. And I'm not like Jake Bush or nothing. That guy's like on a whole freaking new level. He's, I don't even think he's a human. I think he's a robot. Uh, <laughs> but, man, I just I keep track of, you know, everything I see and, uh, you know, up-and-coming deer and whatnot and kind of learn their patterns and their tendencies and try to capitalize on it when I get the time to do it. Yeah. This year might, might be tougher because right now I'm working five days a week. I've only got Saturdays and Sundays off. And yeah. and told, told my foreman today, it's like, man, when it gets closer to late October, I'm going to be sick a lot. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're at least you're being up front with him he ought to know i mean does yeah. he know you well, or is this like a newer boss for you oh no everybody knows me i know <laughs> okay all right well there ain't no hiding what you are man no <laughs> no that's right now i was gonna ask you about the uh your organization because that's kind of one thing i'm running into here now that i'm like doing a lot more public land stuff like do you separate, uh, do you only like just save good bucks and up and coming bucks and then you put them into like maybe a folder? How do you, <laughs> that, that's me. Like I'm not an expert whatsoever, but I've been putting it like, you know, I'll do this cove here or, you know, it's not like you can just narrow one piece of public down. It's like, how, what right. do you do to separate your spots? I know I've seen you and I think I've seen Josh Prophet. You guys number your cameras is that go play anything into it? I mean, yeah, not really. Um, the only thing that, that, like you said, when I, 
when I set my cameras up, they may run. Most of them are cell cameras. Um, I try to save the pictures to my phone. But then, of course, when I pull that card, you pull that camera at the end of the year, whatever it is, or switch it out, I'll have files on my de- desktop. And um, it'll be labeled whatever public it is. And, of course, they all have – I make sure my time is right on all of them. Um, yeah, so me I too. Can, That's a so, big thing I try to do. I just drop them in, in whatever public piece that I'm getting them on camera. And, uh, of course, all the other stuff just kind of does itself out, like time and date and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, that's about as organized as I get, though. I don't wow, have like you sound pretty like unorganized. I was really I was really expecting more, dude. I'm not going to lie. I was, like, thinking maybe you got, like, you know, oh, well, here, I have a folder just for this book or, you know, you know that kind of stuff. No, I mean, I'm not like that, but I do separate like my farms, my years, um, my areas. I try to do stuff like that, but you know, it is what it is. Sometimes it just gets to get be too much, man. And like, I think for me, this is the most cameras I've ever run. I mean, did you gradually get into like more and more cameras every year? Like I'm at 25 now and I'm like, damn, you know, I'm, I have a, a Google notes or whatever on my phone and I just, like write down whenever I drop a camera out, I'm like this spot, what camera it is. I don't know what date. Yeah. I actually, t- I'll take a picture of the, the camera itself, like which way it's facing. Uh, I'll drop the pin on Onyx and, and that way I know exactly what day I set it. Uh, my batteries, I take a Sharpie and I'll write on the batteries, how, what day I put them in there. That way, mm-hmm. you know, I keep up a picture count and whatnot. Um, I don't know. That's just what uh, a little something I do, but yeah. What percentage of your cameras are like, uh, you know, like cell cameras versus regular? Do you are you like more into doing I'm, the um? What is I'm it, addicted spot to point cell cameras. Can... Okay, I'm addicted to cell cameras, uh, and that's my that's my problem. Is it gets expensive? One with the batteries, and two with the plans. Um, yeah, but man, I, I I'd say about seventy five percent of my cameras. So I, I'm I'm at. I'd have to look at my <clears throat> my log downstairs and whatnot, but I, I think I'm up to like 41 total cameras, and I I think I got you. I think about 27 or 28 of them are cell cameras. Um, now some of them have stopped working. Spy point, uh, Jesus Christ! I, don't even get me started. Yeah, um, I'm about. To- I, that's what I wanted to ask. I didn't know because I know last year I seen you running a couple of them on like your Tasco cameras and stuff like that. Um, just from like watching your Instagram and stuff. Well, it's like I mean, are they junk? Too. Is it worth it? They used. To- I'll say this right here for everybody here. Spy Point was the first one in the cell cam game. They were the leaders in cell cam technology, and they were the best. And you could not compete with them for the longest time. But as they started getting more popular and started mass producing cameras, quality went down and quantity went up. And then things work for a while. But after a while, dude, there's no rhyme or reason. And it used to tick me off as I call customer service and want to be on the phone for an hour. And I'd have to explain to them, like, listen, you were hired by SpyPoint. You're not a hunter. <laughs> I've literally held these in my hand and shown these to people at Bass Pro Shops at the Fall Hunting Classic when I worked for you guys. I know how to make them work. I'm letting you know it's not working. Will you either send me another one or what do I need to do? Because I'm to the point now where I'm about to take about 15 of them and crush them with a baseball bat. I'm going to send them all the parts. Yeah. Just to 
you know, I'm over it. It's right. driving me crazy. And um, it's it's tough to find a happy medium on a, a good cell camera that's not going to break the bank, but it's going to perform for you. And uh, yeah. if my, my tacticams have started to give me some issues lately. And it's like, don't y'all go down the same road as them? Because <laughs> I'll be devastated. Dude. I know, man. One of the I, I went and pulled a couple cameras today on some public. Uh, I had some time midday, and I was blown away. Like I thought that they're supposed to keep taking pictures, even if they lose service or whatever. Like I knew that it lost service, and I didn't really have time to go walk like a mile and a half back to check this camera. And it's it's really like a high probability spot. Like I'm really hoping I'm going to pick up this buck back there. Um, but anyway, it didn't take any pictures after it lost service. And I'm like, what the hell is that all about? So I got a whole, whole month, a tactic amp. It was a reveal. And I'm like, I I just don't understand what the heck happened. I mean, my, my batteries didn't die. So, you know, what the heck? Well, we won't go into it in detail right now. No, no, no. uh, Yeah. Sometimes, man, if you got an SD card that you pulled out of another camera, and stuck it in there. Uh, it messes with it. It won't save the pictures. I don't really know why that is. Uh, but I haven't had yeah. a tech cam do that to me. I had a couple Moultries, and uh, my spot points do that to me. Yeah. No, I figured I would just jump on about that. Um, as far as cell cams go, dude, I started off with Covert, and I had nothing but problems with them. And I was just kind of like, when the reveals came out and they were that cheap, I was just like, whatever, I'm going that route. And I've been happy with them so far. But this is not an advertisement for uh, Tacticam or uh, anything no, for that. I don't matter. advertise for nobody if I can help yep. it. I just tell people what I yeah. use and if it works and if it doesn't. Amen. Hey. Well, man, I think uh, I think it's been a pretty uh, pretty good thing. I mean, uh, do you want to cover anything else? I mean, is there any uh, what are your what are your plans for you know this year? You got some super like lofty goals or what are you going to do this year? Well, you know, I went up to the Mobile Hunter Expo um, in late July, um, and my buddy Chris Leppert, you know, invited me up as a guest speaker to, to talk about water access, and it was a great time. It was a great event. Um, learned a lot, but uh, he told me, like, man, you got to come up. You got to come up to Ohio and hunt. Jake Bush just told me the same thing, you know, and I was really planning on going up sometime in early October and from what I've heard is, uh, man, it's getting hit with EHD bad. Like yeah, really, I saw the really videos. yeah, I saw Jake Bush's videos the other day and I'm like, Oh man, that's not good. No. So I don't know if I'm going to scratch that off my list this year and just, you know, hunt Kentucky and, and Indiana. Like I always do. I, I will go back to Tennessee at some point. Uh, the guy that has my velvet deer told me that it would probably be done by mid November. Uh, so okay. I'll, plan a, I'll plan a two day trip or something down there. And, uh, I got an email today telling me I got drawn for a Fort Knox hunt. So I'll have a tag there. That's so cool. I'll, I'll be plenty busy. Yeah. That's awesome, man. But well, not- we wish you nothing but the best dude. Honestly, uh, I'm sure if you guys don't follow Jacob, uh, your, why don't you drop your Instagram handle and your YouTube? You really need to check out his YouTube if you guys haven't, cause he's got some killer stuff on there. Uh, be great for anybody listening uh, that just throwing that out there as a plug for you, man. Oh man. Uh, well, I wouldn't worry about the Instagram, but uh, if you guys want to look up the YouTube channel, it's D O three. Uh, it's not D D zero three. It's D O three outdoors. Or you can type in my name, Jacob Emery, and it'll pop up. And 
there's a couple good videos on there. And then there's some that, you know, they're really early on in my self filming career and they're a little cringy to watch, but <laughs> you know, you got to start somewhere, but no, I, I enjoy it. I don't, I can't say I don't make any money off of it. I don't make a lot of money off of it. I mean, make enough to pay for my tags every year and it's just fun to upload it and watch it back and have some memories for the kids to see and you know, whatever. It's just, I just do it for fun basically. That's right, man. I love it, dude. That's why I, I have my YouTube account and I just do it for myself. And it is pretty funny to like, look back on the, how you started. Right. I mean, you look back and you're like, <laughs> God, this is just freaking terrible. <laughs> like, no editing skills, but I mean, hey, like you said, we got to start somewhere and, you know, it's all about growth. I, I enjoy going back and watching some of these too. So, but on that note, I think we're going to close it out, Jacob. Thank you so much for joining us, man. I really appreciate your time. Um, it's a pleasure having you on and I hope we can have you on again sometime, dude. Yeah, man. We'll, we'll holler back soon. Hopefully both of us got something killed by then. Heck yeah, brother. Let's hope so. <laughs> all right. All right, y'all. I'll see you. Thanks for hanging with us today and joining us on the Running and Gunning podcast. Hopefully you guys got a lot out of that one. I really enjoyed this podcast that we did with Jacob today. Um, I want to give a special thanks to our sponsor, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. If you guys haven't, check out their website, check out all their gear. They have so many good things for anybody that's looking to get into the mobile hunting game or just expand and get you some good quality equipment. Also, tune over to our YouTube page at Whitetail Addictions. Uh, we've got some great episodes dropping. Uh, Heath Cisco, his episode was just released yesterday, so it ought to be, uh, if you haven't checked it out, get over there and check it out. It's a great episode. We're going to close this one out with a quote as usual and this one comes to us from joe rogan he says greatness and madness are next door neighbors and they borrow each other's sugar think about that one for a little bit let it sink in makes a lot of sense after you really uh really ponder on it for a little bit but hope it finds you all well today hope you all are having a great uh great season getting started if not i know it's right around the corner and uh, get all that last minute prep done and get out there and get after them Appreciate you tuning in and we'll catch you next week.